Joe, you were saying you want to do a you want to do a what? Such as. Okay. So it's a preview. It's a sneak tease. Sneak tease. Yeah, you know what? I wrote that out because I'm not, you know, we're really emerging in front of the audience here. I feel definitely engorged or swollen in some kind of way. Think it was funny. Woo, girl! I do feel a little goofy. I feel a little goofy. I had a new drink on my way home from work. This lady I work with told me about lady. She's my age. She's, I didn't want. I didn't want that to come across as an age sort of a vibe, one way or the other. Fox News does. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. I had a venti hot dirty chai latte. Dirty chai tea latte. Dirty means they add two shots of espresso to it. So I am bright and lively, and you know, there's all sorts of variants in my diet in the past 24 hours and whatnot. So um, we'll see how we do. Very exciting episode. Actually, I haven't seen you, Joe, in a couple weeks because of, we had the holiday with uh, the giving of thanks to uh, the genocidal uh, uh, crusaders of old. And um, and then I had a, an episode that I kind of did on Zoom with our good friend Zaza Goodbreak that just came out as we're recording this. That just came out a couple days ago. The response has been great. If you've not listened to that episode yet for some reason, uh, it'll just play automatically right after this one as you're hearing it. So um, really good friend of mine, and we got to catch up in a way that was really... Uh, meaningful so really great joe did you listen to that episode did you enjoy uh, the zog good break experience i've gotten a lot of direct feedback from listeners i've gotten a lot of direct feedback from listeners that know people that i know that listen to the show of which there are at least a couple dozen, which I really appreciate. We have, uh, again, our metrics are going up all the time, and I think that's because they're cumulative, and so I'm just gonna let that be the case. Um, as you see, we're still always experimenting with uh, tools and lighting, and, and uh, I'm, I have a vision for where this guerrilla DIY uh, kind of getting to know you phase of the podcast is gonna go um, as we develop more uh, of our, um, sort of necessities so uh joe can you go ahead and check your mic for me right there. oh oh i know i'm just you know me it's something i'm kind of uh working on joe are you checking that microphone i'm just making sure i just don't want to miss you My brother brought that up. That was his favorite part was the, um, he said, he thought we did it on purpose. So I shouldn't have told <laughs> yeah. him. He thought we did it uh, intentionally. So as to, uh, I don't know why he thought we would do that. It's like it was some kind of artistic. Uh, well, statement. it did seem kind of sarcastic. Also the PlayStation 5 or whatever just came out. 
if that was like a deep kind of artistic statement about how we feel about that. Yeah, it was very it was very Jack Jack White SNL impromptu. Uh, after that's funny. Eddie Van Halen died. Great. Can you explain that reference so I don't just sound like an idiot? No, everyone gets it. Yeah, he was on <laughs> SNL coincidentally after. Uh, yeah, Eddie Van Halen. Uh, uh, yeah, it was great. You know, God is good. Guitars. God is good. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, I you know I've always kind of um, I've always wondered if I'd be like a good detective. Have you ever thought, have we have we talked about this? Have I ever screamed at you that oh God, I should be a detective? Yeah, you're always catching me red-handed. Yeah, yeah, I can sniff them out like a truffle hog. It's so red. I feel like I can figure shit catch out. It. What? Nothing. And for example, based on the choice of music at my Walgreens over here, whoever picks that music is one recently heartbroken and two cognitively impaired in some way. There's no way. There's some definitely some kind of a some kind of either a trauma or a developmental uh, inhibition. It's all. Nash pop, you know, like like pop country music, like really contemporary, like pop country, like bro country, but like none of the good stuff, like even from that kind of joke of an art form, it's all like that cash machine. Um, like I'm trying, I don't even know the artist's names. Do you Is know it who like Billy Ray Cyrus? No, 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 like contemporary, like current, current, yeah. like hits, or I guess <clears throat> from that kind of machine. It's and it's. Yes. Really loud in the grocery and, and liquor aisles where uh, they also, you know, keep um, the sparkling water that I enjoy. Uh, praise, praise up, you know, bless. It's frustrating, those songs, because it completely depends on the accent of the singer that makes it country. Like, because the music is, is 90s grunge, the actual instrumental. Oh, my God. You're lucky if it's, yeah. if it's that much actual like guitars and stuff. Some of it's not even really that. Um, Sometimes they'll throw in a banjo just to bring it back home. Yeah, you know, but yeah. it, most of the time we'll just be like maybe some fiddle, you know. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. no, yeah, it's really um, great. It's just so alive. We, so that's Hold in you. my Walgreens cranked, and also my Walgreens. I was just talking to my brother about this. Is completely boarded up. Even the glass doors, which never have to lock because it's a twenty-four hour store. Everything's all boarded up, and I think it, I guess it went up like bef- the week before the election. I guess it's going to stay up until the inauguration because it's still completely boarded up. And Jesus fucking Christ, Joe, you and me were talking about this the other day. If you're in St. Louis and you think you give a shit about anything, make the fucking trip and go over to Natural Bridge and Kings Highway. Just go through that McDonald's. (laughs) I've never gotten sick from there. I always have a pretty decent experience of that McDonald's. They never get my food wrong. But look around the fucking neighborhood right there at that intersection at 11 a.m., or anytime, I'm sure it's great. It's a literal caricature of a dystopian fucking hellscape. It's this literal apocalypse is alive at the intersection of Natural Bridge and Kings Highway. And down the block <laughs> at Union and Natural Bridge is not much better. This is like up by where I work. Yeah, that's heavy. And man. seriously, it's exactly like you would dream about in the movie. There's um, several homeless people working every angle of the, the intersection. Um, one of them is, is, you know, very visibly, um, uh, what's the word? Um, it's just, they're very, I mean, it's so, such an exaggerated, uh, form of how you would expect. It's so like a stereotype or a cliche about how 
visibly homeless some of these people are. A caricature, and, a vignette. Yeah, it's absolutely that way. It's just exactly like you would dream that would be, <laughs> except it's just like the apocalypse up there. There's yeah. people like hobbling with masks on to, you know, right. bus stops. And <laughs> it's just like Cormac McCarthy's The Road, except all the fast food restaurants are open. <laughs> That's really the only difference is... <laughs> We have way more infrastructure surviving than we thought we would when shit finally hit the fan, but you would hardly know that at the intersection of Natural Bridge and Kings Highway here in St. Louis, up on the north side, you wouldn't know it unless you looked at all the drive throughs that are open and backed up around the building. <laughs> it's so funny because that, like, you know, the road... What do you need? Yeah, I mean... What do you need? People don't have homes or food, and they're <laughs> wandering the streets with masks on because the air is poisonous. Right. <laughs> it's overcast, yeah. it's cold, but then it's raining, and then it's not, and it's awful, and... Uh, even the sketchy motels are closed. The buildings that aren't boarded up look like they should be. I mean, it's sad that there's parts of the world that are developed, but also look, I can get a McDonald's hot and spicy chicken sandwich. I can add a slice of cheese for 49 cents. I can get 30 of those for like a dollar. The McRib is back. The McRib is back hot and fresh. But I've literally seen people strung out on heroin, yeah, like just, wobbling around that parking lot while I'm waiting for my food, just trying not to collapse. Like it's just, sir, it's. I forgot what I wanted. It, never mind. Yeah. Oh. Oh my God. He didn't know I was there. He was no threat to me at all. I don't feel unsafe. It's when it's, I'm up at that McDonald's. It's just like. It, that was which is a, the nearest McDonald's to where I work, which is why I'm at the McDonald's. The road is a perfect analogy if you're thinking about the film because they have those just beat up kind of coats. <laughs> and then on top of that, the masks are kind of reminiscent of the Book of Eli because they all had to wear sunglasses. And, you know, there were some people that had like, you know, sunglasses from like Party City that were clearly made sarcastically. And then they are now their primary form to avoid blindness, which is the masks, the way the masks were. The can throwing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm an artist. <laughs> but it's so funny. That's such a great, it's hilarious. It really is. You just look around like, how bad do I need this Diet Coke right now? No, I couldn't have the empty can here because I kept going for it and it looks bad on camera. If I'm going for it, yeah. there's nothing in it, but I got to wet my whistle, honey. No, Book of Eli was another good one. Tom Waits was in that one. I love him. Yeah, it's so weird. So, oh yeah, he pops up when, when you least, it's great. And Gary Oldman, I mean, it's no, you know. And then I have a, I have an aunt, distant, I guess a great aunt, really, who, well, she's my mom's uncle's Are you going to say she loves Denzel Washington? Well, she loved that movie because she's one of those charismatic Catholics, they call themselves, oh, I think, yeah. where- They love the movie Taken. Well, they're well. very, I don't know about that, but they're very um, devoutly uh, and openly Catholic, which is not a bad thing. In a romantic uh, way. You know, I don't feel one way or the other about um As if that. it's an actual religion, kind of that kind but, of- um, but they do a lot of things together. Like they go out and see movies that are either controversial or popular with, you know, that base, or they do the things where they go because somebody found the face of, of uh, the savior in gravel somewhere or on a pancake or something. Mm -hmm. Like they go to those kind the of things. Shroud. It's so great. And she can talk to you about the blessed mother for 47 minutes. And it's great. She's great. But, um, she loved the book of Eli because it turned out the book he was carrying was the Bible the whole time. And right, no, spoiler alert, 
Um, sorry. If you're you're a Christian, it was blatantly apparent early in the film, but if you're an atheist... hit from 2011, (laughs) if it was even that recent, Book of Eli, yeah, he's carrying a book that Gary Oldman wants. It's a Bible, and it's in Braille, because it turns out, isn't he, like, blind? That's the actual twist that you spoiled for Yeah, not just that it was the Bible. You didn't know he was blind the whole time. Yeah, they imply a lot about the Bible and the power of the Bible and and whatnot, which is um which is I think a great angle for an apocalyptic kind of Mad Max kind of environment. Yeah. I enjoyed that movie, but she really loved it in a way that I found very entertaining. Because yeah. it's very much like a like a dystopian blockbuster. It had Mila yeah. Kunis in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. What does she make Jim Beam now? Is that her thing? Jim Beam and Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher and Jim Beam.gov. Uh, we have a very exciting guest today. We have a very exciting guest that we are going to be on a Zoom call with here in about 15 minutes. Uh, and so we will take a quick break to uh, to reset when that comes up. But, ooh, I mean, Jesus. You're done? No, no, no. no. I just wanted to I just wanted to give people kind of a heads up before we get too deep into some oh. of my, my deeper research here. Joe, did I tell you about the time I ended up in a pool next to Eric Reitens? No. You know Eric Reitens. I recall the uh, the name, the mugshot. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the former. So Eric Reitens was uh, guy. elected governor. That's the of one. the state of Missouri uh, a couple years ago, and uh, was then kind of he, he resigned because he got arrested over like some uh, quote revenge porn kind of drama, having was, taken a picture of a mistress. I thought it was bribery, but then it was, but it was something like he paid somebody off or in something, front of a and then. Um, the but then what happened was like the lady the mistress's husband was all mad about the photo and and rose a stink after he was elected so it was very dramatic and that's how we ended up with this guy parsons that we love so much great and uh anyway part uh, there was another scandal about eric greitens and he was using campaign funds apparently to buy um, a uh, a chalet, we'll call it in a uh, in a resort community. You know, every town kind of has a um, a woodland resort community with lake space and kind of you know a frames and whatnot. This is our kind of uh, version here locally. And he uh, bought a place there. I remember hearing that story. And then you know, I happened to be in that uh, woodland resort community uh, about a year uh, after he was uh, you know disgracefully. Uh, exiled from you know the uh, public sphere here in st louis and then i'm in the pool at the resort community at their little pool little clubhouse little joint got me a little biscuit got me a little piece of crumb some french toast sticks and i'm in the pool and i turn around i'm like this guy swims right in front of me right like seriously like i could this was pre-covid right and i remember like i remember it was like that movie the imposter the documentary about the guy that pretended to be this missing kid, but then he found out that is that they've killed him or whatever. Another spoiler alert. Sorry. But I, I recognized like his, the shape of his ear. Like I got this weird profile of him, but he was so close to me. And I was like, yeah. cause his mugshot was my profile picture on Facebook yeah, for yeah. a week or so after that happened. And so I, I really got used to seeing his face whenever I was in messenger talking to somebody or, you know, checking on my grandparents on Facebook. And then He's right in front of me in the pool. And I kind of felt gross at first. I was like, what do I do? It's the water. His water's touching my water. We have the same water. 
And I get weird, really weird about pools like that. Like my wife will make fun of me because I have to like wash my hair immediately after getting out of the pool because I feel like there's baby urine in my hair. Slimy. You know what I mean? It's just try going to the lake. That I won't get in a lake. I can't do it. Dude. I did. I had. You know what? People always make fun of me for this, but I had my fun. I had times where I played in a creek under a bridge, and we is, uh, yeah. several times we did that, and we. Uh, I have gone on float trips you know, down the crystal river in a canoe. I've done that in rafts. I've camped in a tent. I've camped in an RV. I've done all the Midwestern kind of outdoorsy kind of thing. It's not something I choose to, to recreate or do. Um, but I have had my fill of those things. So yeah. And I'm kind of weird about, I've always been worried about my hands. I don't want gross things on me. Call me crazy. So that was like one of those times where I'm looking at the disgraced former governor yeah. And he's not only infiltrated my lovely exclusive resort community, my woodland safe haven, but his water was on my water, Joe. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, his, there's so many, I mean, this because when they go after him, they go after everything, and this is just... Well, it's hard now, because so now he's much. got a shit list, and I think he was the guy... Um, that I think his campaign was like he could like dismantle and then reassemble and and load and fire a AR-15 blindfolded because he was like a marine or something, which is great. You know, um, thank you for your service. Uh, my brother thinks it's weird, like the water thing. Like he thinks it's weird that I don't want a roommate. Like we have this great bedroom loft space on the second floor of our home that um, is totally temperature controlled and has electricity and everything. It's not like gross. It's finished and whatnot, but it's there's like no bathroom hotel. up there. I really don't want to share a bathroom. Yeah. I don't want people's water touching my water. I don't know what it's about. I think Johnny Cash said that. I think he said the the key to a healthy marriage is separate bathrooms. Did he really say that? Mm-hmm. He's just a genius. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, because that second time he got married, it seemed to work out. They kind of died, you know, still married. Yeah. It was tough, though. I, I actually got to sit down with Johnny Cash's former therapist, and he, you know, was a real boomer therapist you know completely breaking you know you know uh, patient confidentiality those walls are kind of new i mean yeah he was so proud of all the dirt he had at johnny cash i was like you're kind of a horrible person he should write a book yeah i'm sure he has they probably paid him not to yeah um i don't think you can write a book if you're a therapist you can't write a book about your (laughs) joe have you been following the monolith at all can we not you don't want to talk about the monolith I at mean, all? I think so, it's kind of died. It's so dumb because it's so clearly like not like like what, what I were think they distracting us from? That those major totally, yeah. New York Times? Really? Yeah. You're like, we don't know where it came from. Yeah, like, it wasn't even in New York. If you saw a penny on the street, you wouldn't be like, oh my God, what is that? You know? Yeah. Good. Okay, so we'll not do the monolith then. I mean it. It's totally to? no, I don't. It's totally the South Park ending of it too. The the fucking that the most recent thing I saw is a bunch of hillbillies beat the shit out of it because they thought it was because they they proclaimed white power over the potential aliens. Yeah, right? when you post on New York Times. Oh, is that why they hated it? They wanted it because it was the leftist agenda that the, the aliens Mark. were coming. CNN. So it's seriously. It's like a joke. It's like an episode of South Park where it's like, there's, oh my God, the monolith. What are we going to do? The world is ending. Guys, we got to figure out what to do with the monolith. And then Kenny's family goes and kicks the shit out of it because white power. 
Right? Isn't that what that looks like? I know how to solve this. They beat it up. It's nuts. I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, like, what is this? <sighs> I was about to say something horrible. Yeah, so fuck the monolith. Um, what else is on here? The ramblings. God, you know, Al may be good for this. Our, our friend Alfred Ludwig, attorney at law, is coming up on the podcast here in a minute. And... Uh, I wrote down this headline I saw this week. Quantum experiments suggest there is no objective reality. Why? Because he went to law school? Okay, just because he went to law school doesn't mean he's like a physicist and can comment on that. I can comment on that. How do you feel? Level. How do you feel about that? I don't, I'm sorry. No, I want to know. That's why no, I brought it up I now. Just, you know, I just like, why do you turn to him? If we were in a room and it was him and me. No, I was just thinking, like, you like, didn't want to talk I about the computer. You didn't want to talk about the monolith. And then I had prepared something about quantum reality. But if you don't want to talk about the monolith <laughs> and the living South Park joke that happened on my newsfeed this week, then we could talk about the quantum physics. I didn't say, you know, Al, you're right. You're I right. Just can't believe you know what? Lawyers are fucking morons. I just can't believe New York Times is sitting there like, yes, this, you know, the the voter fraud is impossible. There's no, it's impossible for voter fraud to occur. By the way, mysterious monolith, we don't know where it came from. Probably aliens. Thanks, New York Times. Same day. Al. What's up? Oh my God, is that Al? Is it happening? Is it happening now? I haven't seen you since Jake's wedding. All right, now my sound is on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, c- I could always hear you. Of course, he has a pro. Are you not wearing headphones? I really haven't fucked with this mic very much. You're not wearing headphones. Should I wear headphones? It's easier. It's going to sound better. And also, what- I have no evidence that your microphone's even on because it could be the microphone on your screen. I do not know. But this isn't live, so it's not a big deal. I didn't know you were going to be in the call already. I was just booting it up so that I could receive you. When we were just talking about how fucking stupid lawyers are. Isn't that... Isn't that so typical of a lawyer to have just like a pro audio setup and he's not even I just He's I just, also a professional bassist. I, had, I, I mean an open office. He's got he's got a like a big bass, like a wood one. Got can wood he even on it. play it? Oh yeah, he can thump. Did he just buy all the essential can, gig stuff? Yeah, he's a blues lawyer. <laughs> Mostly. Blues <laughs> Do you mean like he, his genre is blues or he defends the blues? Well, that's a term on like the gear pages. That's hilarious. Did I tell oh, you the travesty? Lawyer. No, that's right. That is. That's funny. Did I tell you the travesty I encountered today on a, on a gear page? Oh, oh yeah. You said some Brother, racist. I didn't know that calling someone a Zionist shill was, uh, was anti-Semitic. And then I didn't know that the guy's name was Goldstein. Yeah. Lucky it wasn't like Zimmerman. Well, I just hadn't looked at his name, and I really just threw that out there because that's what this one guy called this other guy on this podcast I listened to, and I just thought it'd be funny. I was totally just bored out of my mind. Al, can you hear me? Yes. Is this better? Oh, dude, that's perfect. That's what I wanted this whole time. <laughs> it turns out I had it did have the microphone from my laptop toggled in Zoom, which I, I didn't realize was. I know. I, I know. I that's why they paid me the big bucks. I may not even have to edit too much of this out because it looks like it's working. Is that I a mean, uh, Coors Sparkling? <laughs> Seltzer. What are you? What are you? What are you drinking there? Ah, uh, the old Coca-Cola. Chicago Pilsner. Chicago. Oh, really? Little micro brew. Yeah, this thing here. I got a uh, Maplewood. I got the uh, brought to you by Maplewood Brewery. I got the cherry limeade. Also from local. Sam's Club. 
Um, but they were out of this one. I just re-upped, and they brought me the actual LaCroix, the uh, the good stuff. It, it, there is a major difference. You think it it should be the same, that there's something non-magical no, about radically LaCroix. Radically different. The flavors really come from different places. This is probably just citric brand. acid. How's the finish on it? You know, when it finally It's got good mouthfeel. It's got a good airy mouthfeel. Oh, are you talking about the Pilsner? No. Al, how was the, uh, how, how long did it take you to like be done with all the election stuff? Is it just oh, like God. a one day thing? So or? Al, you can hear us, correct? I can hear you. Yes. Okay. And I'm, I'm hearing Joe right now. So Great. I can't see Joe, which is. No, no, no. Joe is not on camera. I he's behind me Joe. in the dark. Pre-recorded. Um, so yes. So, or, um, Al, let me get in. Let me just kind of sag us into kind of the conversation we wanted to have. So, um, Alfred here is a very good friend of mine. Uh, he currently plays bass when live music is allowed to happen with me, uh, with Jacob V and the yes men. And he's also, um, not only an experienced, uh, kind of musician that I've had a lot of great working experience with, but, uh, also an attorney and you're involved in electioneering in a way that, um, the election is something we have had to talk a lot about on the podcast so far. So when we first started it, there's a lot of questions we had and I sent you some stuff that I kind of wanted to get to, but, um, where do you want to start, buddy? Well, probably with the term electioneering, which I believe is a crime. Uh -huh, um, exactly. And so I, I would like to disclaim any involvement in, in criminal electioneering, but I have actually been an election oh, yeah. observer for a, a, a couple of different elections over the last few years. So what, what about it? Would you like, where would you like to start? I mean, I know there's lots of questions. And Which elections? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So kind of, let's start with your experience just so we know what context we're going into. Yeah. And I was really accusing you or witnessing of any potential electioneering. Uh, thanks for the vocab uh, kind of thing uh, there. So let's start with, yeah, let's start with sort of just your kind of background with that kind of stuff. And then we'll get into some of the more dramatic topical stuff. So uh, in order to give you how I got into it, I think it's kind of a, it, it, some basic background in how Missouri elections work, because, you know, everything I've done is in Missouri, uh, as a Missouri resident. Um, so the way Missouri elections work, we have a system that requires two election judges at each polling place. And they're the only people, you know, the, the election judges and certain very specific categories of people are allowed in the polling places other than the voters themselves. Each, you know, each polling place has a Republican judge and a Democratic judge that's built into the statute. So you've got, on the one hand, the official elections, you know, authority employees, essentially, who work there. I have not been one of those. So the, I've known some people who have done that. They're all great people. But you have to you have to basically pick a party and say, I'm the Democratic judge. and I'm the Republican judge right. in order to do that. What I've done is then I would, uh, there's, there's another category of people who's allowed in the polling place is called an election observer. And again, you have to sort of sign on with one of the two parties in order to do that. So you know, in Missouri, as I'm led to believe anyway, the Democrats have often put up election observers to work the polling places, you know, in various roles. Uh, the Republicans in recent years, certainly in the St. Louis area, have not even participated in that process for whatever reason, but they have the right to do it. But anyone else, if you're not voting, you're not even supposed to be there. So in order to, you know, show up at the polls and be an election observer, you have to say, I'm the Democratic observer. You have to get appointed by the party. You have to be on a list like three weeks before the election. 
and then you and then you have to be uh you know have you have your badge and whatnot and, and be a, a officially by state law on this list that's a, a, a authorized to be in the, in the room so i personally was on the democratic side because i don't know that i've ever heard of a republican observer in the last few elections being there but basically then your role you know our instructions have always been from from the party officials and this is like jack kotar is one of the guys you know he's a, he's an alderman from st louis you may know who he is but he's one of the guys that sort of you know does the orientation for um the the the, the lawyers it's all lawyers who do this who are election observers for the democratic party and you know sort of gives the the, the role of what we're doing what we've always been told is we're there to help people vote we're there to make sure that you know votes are counted and the election judges, if they have questions to help them interpret state law, that's one of the reasons they only use lawyers to do it and, and to sort of assist in any logistics, you know, just basically be there, help out. Don't get in the way. You know, you're technically a challenger. You have the right to be uh, to challenge votes, but that's not the role that we have ever fulfilled. It's not the role I've ever fulfilled. We're there basically to observe, but also, you know, in prior elections and I'm in the county, so this is different depending on which county you're in. In prior elections, there's always been you you have your polling place, right? And if you go to the wrong polling place, you're not supposed to vote there. So you often have people show up at the wrong polling place. And you know, just simple things like, well, actually, you need to go to this polling place, or you know, this is what what you need to do, or you're you're not actually registered. We help check. And that's part of your role and, there. I'm sorry, say that again. That's part of your role there is to is the redirection part of where they're supposed to go. My first kind of go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me I got a bunch of you're doing great. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, you know, our general directive is to, to, to help people vote, to, to make sure people get where they're supposed to go, do what they need to do, make sure no votes are uncounted. You know, there's, you've heard of these provisional ballots, I'm sure, you know, to help people cast provisional ballots if they, that's the right to do and to make sure that the election judges know what people's rights are. So they're not turning away people and saying, well, you just can't vote, which is a thing that happens, but it's usually done through ignorance. It's not done through maliciousness. I love that. So my first natural kind of follow-up question from when we got started here is this is all great stuff too you're you're doing great you look good i love your little uh is that ralph lauren it is yeah 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 yeah. um and my first question is really so why is your role in that process interesting in the context of this current election i mean is it more considered concerning the the national dialogue that makes it interesting because maybe one possibility in my head is that maybe you didn't witness anything that would even be remotely funky. And maybe the dialogue nationally is blown out of proportion and it's unhealthy. Or maybe you have the opposite experience where you're like, yeah, elections are messed up. I don't know. But that was the one thing that emerges because we were very excited to have this conversation, you and I. So well, yeah. yeah what, what I can say that might, might shed some light on this is, is, you know, I've done this a few times and in each time, you know, the election judges I mentioned are partisan. So you have a Republican judge, you have a democratic judge. In my experience, these people are just gems. They're just, they're there. It's an extremely long day. They get there at 5 a.m. to open up the polls. They finish at like 7 p.m. when the polls close. They're there for another hour or two or however long it takes to count. If people are in line when the polls close, they have to be allowed to vote so it can go longer than that. So you've got these, you know, basically what, what amount to, it's not quite volunteer, but it may as well be volunteer for what I understand they get paid. Um, you know, it, it, it's a public service role for, for the, the election judges who are there to just to do their job to make sure everybody's vote can get counted. And what I've seen personally is that there are very, very few issues. You know, most of the issues relate to long lines and trying to redirect people or to, to figure out how to get people to wait or to understand how, you know, that long they have to wait for this. 
and make sure that the right people are in the right places and people aren't waiting in line for two hours to go to the wrong polling place. But overall, and you know, I will say Missouri is clearly not a target for shenanigans because right. of the way that our vo electoral votes generally go and you know how red the state certainly has become. It was a swing state you know, years ago, but it really isn't anymore. So it's not like in Ohio or a Wisconsin or a Michigan where there's really a chance for swinging the vote on one side or the other. But local elections matter, congressional elections matter. And, you know, that, that these things are just as important in a lot of ways. But I have never seen anything other than utter professionalism among electional sta election staff, the judges, the people involved, and frankly, the voters. I mean, everybody has been psyched and happy to be there. Right. I mean, because it takes a lot of enthusiasm to vote because it is so optional, right? It's not, I mean, that's why there's so much of the rhetoric is just begging people to vote, not even telling them who to vote for, really, right? But I think um, one thing that I thought of that was so interesting when you were um, explaining that is what is the mode? I think p normal people that don't, that can't picture serving in that capacity, um, for something like that, a lot of people, most people don't have something in their life that they kind of, do that's like that so what what would you tell those people as is it the primary motivation to all of these kind of people is it is it the is it strictly the passion for the for the law and the and the procedure of of a free election i i think it's a de, it's a devotion to the principles of democracy at the end of the day i mean i've done a lot of talking it's not just lawyers obviously you know right. the, you know the observers are lawyers but the election judges and the people working the polls, they're not all judges. You know, there's people that show up to help direct lines and just be there to make sure everybody gets where they're going. You know, they're all just excited to help the process, help people speak their minds and help help them have a voice in this country. And it's really, it's a public service. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I certainly agree, but I think it's an important conversation to have out loud for. Um, so being that, we know that locally we're not necessarily the target for too much shenanigans, certainly not to the extent that we're hearing about so much in the news um, being alleged uh, elsewhere. But um, I guess could we just, because we don't have to follow any kind of a structure here. We're not necessarily limited on time on my end. We'll do what you want. Yeah. Trump you hasn't, take this where you want to go. Yeah. So Trump hasn't conceded yet. And you know, I heard Candace Owens the other day says she'll think he'll be inaugurated again. If it goes to the Supreme court, like what is that any of that serious? Is that really worth anyone's time? That kind it, of conversation. It, it, it's, it's an interesting question because no is the answer in a sane world where the rule of law has any meaning and every court case you've seen bears this out. Right. You've got zero successes. The, 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 I think the few things they pointed to successful litigation actions on are things like, well, you 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 made the election judges stand six feet away when they're allowed to stand four feet away. You know, it, it's 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 absolute minutia like that. It's not there's ne there has yet to be a rule, court ruling that finds any evidence of any wrongdoing in a meaningful way in any of the jurisdictions, and they've done a full court press. So it's not like this is an isolated. There's an isolated suit or two they've lost. They've lost every suit that they've filed. They've lost every action almost to, to, to a, a single number uh, that they filed in every way. So the, the court system, the legal system, if it has any meaning, is saying there is nothing here. And, and you know, people, professionals have looked at the evidence and there's, we have yet to see anything compelling that evidence is any, you know, sort of meaningful wrongdoing or, or purposeful wrongdoing other than the typical human errors you have in every election, right? Such as? 
Did you get that? Such as what are those? What are those typical errors? Well, I mean, there's always differences in the vote counts uh, in various jurisdictions. So, you know, you might have 571 votes. Uh, you know, I, and and this isn't this is minutia that I'm not personally familiar with. So, you know, I'm making up a hypothetical. But you might have 571 votes tallied, and you somehow come out with a number of 570 at the end of the day, where some one of those votes was invalidated or whatever. Um, and then, then, you know, the roles, there, there's always a long history of, you know, certain discrepancy in the numbers in, in minor, you know, single digit, double digit type numbers within a, any jurisdiction. Those things are well documented. They've played out almost every election. Nobody who seriously looked at this issue, as far as I can tell, thinks that they've ever done anything to swing or influence anything but the most close of all elections where you're talking about, you know, five voters difference. And would you say that Chris Krabs cooked crispy bacon? <laughs> I don't. I, I. Yeah, I don't know who Chris Krebs is. Oh, holy shit! I should. I should. Hang on. Oh, I'm gonna light you up. I'm gonna light. Krebs is like a KR. Um. Uh, so Chris Krebs. Oh, okay. No, I do know who Krebs is. Yeah, yeah. I saw 60 Minutes last week. Did he cook some so crispy bacon? I'm sorry. Uh, the name just didn't ring about. Probably too many beers. Christopher Krebs. I had dreams about Chris Krebs. We call him Krusty Krebs. I have a question. Here's what's crazy. Here's okay. what's crazy about this. You got a minute? <laughs> Joe, you got a question, please, before I go Just, into crispy yeah, crabs. Mr. Cribs, what would a situation where somebody like in in a position of power, you know, where around your your peers, what would it look like if somebody did want to swing the election? How would that work? And like what kind of character would that be? Like what kind of corrupt like like if you so if this did happen, if you did see corruption in Missouri, how would it happen most likely? And this is a completely hypothetical, hypothetical. legally distinct from reality hypothetical conversation. You've, you've described Just described how it could I think what I'm hearing Joe ask is if there were any shenanigans, what would that look like on a on a macro level at one polling place? And and you just hit on a very key point. You'd have to do it polling place by polling place. And I think there's been quite a bit of scholarship on this recently. But, you know, one of the things that makes our election system, if you will, unhackable or very difficult to hack is that we have a million, more than a million, I don't know the number, but, you know, however many there are precincts to do their own individual voting with paper ballots. Yeah. You know, we've gone away from these Diebold systems in the, the early 2000s that had very questionable sort of software and no paper record where the, the electoral authorities are really looking at paper ballots and using paper ballots almost across the board now. And now so, they have. It's still a paper. Like I use the machine, but it's punching it on a card that is then stored in the machine. Like it, it, it there is a paper record now. That's right. And you're, uh, you're you know, talking even about the, even the ones with machines. And, and I, I can only speak of the county because it's where I've been. And the county is, you know, you're using a sharpie to fill in a paper on on mm. on a piece. Uh, or no, I got to have a touch screen and feeding it into the machine at the end of the day. So you know, how can you hack that exactly? You know, the the the. The, you could do it on a precinct by precinct basis if you had, you know, a series of electoral judges on both sides of the aisle, because you've got one Republican and one Democrat in every precinct who were who were dedicated to making sure that this precinct would change, you know, have some fraudulent total. So just using Missouri, you would have to do that in every precinct in which you wanted to shift the total. Hmm. Either that or you would have to somehow hack the box. And I mean, literally physically hack the box because these ballots go into a box, which is secure. 
and it is taken away by the county election authority at the end of the night they show up with you know what essentially amounts to like you know your your cartoon old-timey picture of you know an armored car type scenario where they take these ballots away and they're put in a secure location so you know and unless you had access to those ballots at the central location at the end of the night before they're counted you could swap them out in, in a sort of Battlestar Galactica scenario, which if you've seen that episode, you know what I'm talking about, but I may be dating myself here, where they literally take the box of ballots and they remove it and they swap it with the fake box of ballots, you know, right before the count happens. You're thinking you Ocean's right? Eleven, I think. Go on, Joe. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, he, sorry. Was, he was insinuating that you were um, mistaking that to uh, the the swap in the George Clooney remake of Ocean's Eleven, where they it looks like the duffel bag's full of money, but it's all pornography. Yes. <laughs> you chose Battlestar um, Galactica. Galactica. Sorry. Joe is young. I'm sorry. I really I apologize. Ba- ba- Battlestar Galactica, kids. Look it up. It's a great show. Is that separate from Stargate? It, it, it actually postdates Stargate believe it or not oh but like so like post firefly i believe it's post firefly jesus it it was it was it was the the thing that kept the sci-fi network alive for you know the years that it was around it used to be the sci-fi channel somebody said something about somebody said something about um flash drives at these units where people are voting and i'm like there aren't any inputs I no, better, there would be an exposed input at, at a voting booth what is Alfred, it it's not an ipad as a as a voting citizen i just want to say that in your future um election supervising endeavors as a public servant if you see a flash drive karate chop that person if i see <laughs> well, a, don't I, let I, me see county, a like disc. i said it's all paper so you know, there is no flash drive interaction there, there is the machine count at the end where you slide the ballots into, and I suppose you could hack that machine count and change it on that machine for that location. That is again. kind of an antiquated. But at the end of the day, if there's system. ever a recount, you've got the paper ballots, which would show that machine count was wildly off right. and would immediately leave you with a sort of traceable point of contact where there was something going on. Yeah. So, you know, to really answer your question, Joe, if you wanted to hack an election, you do what, you know, at least the narrative around the Russians did in 2016, which is hack the voters. You don't hack the election hack itself. The, hack you, the you go out with disinformation and you, you make people believe things so that they vote a certain way. Like getting but if the people are going to vote that way, it's very, very, very difficult yeah. to, you know, get into the system in this day and age and change it because we've gone retrograde. You know, in 2000, 2004, when you had these Diable machines with this, you know, software that was opaque... And, you know, votes were apparently being changed on the fly from almost always Democratic to Republican, shockingly, you know, then then there was a different question in my mind back in those days. Now that I've seen what we've done since then, you know, we've really moved away from machines The machines that exist, have a paper trail or exist only to count the 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 paper ballots that were there. And there's there's virtually no way on on a large scale operation you could do this from a central point. You would have to have a vast conspiracy of many, right. many bodies at many locations simultaneously to do anything and, like that. And you're safe to speak for all of the other jurisdictions, all the other, is that the word, all the other states? Like you're safe, like that's all the same across the board? No, it's not. And, and, and you know, I only have the experience I have, but my my understanding based on everything I've read, all the scholarship, all the reporting around it is that, you know, that that story has played out not just in Missouri, Right. But in a lot of other states where they've really moved away from these sort of opaque, hackable machines into things yeah. that do keep a record. There's been too much bad press. There's been too many questions in the last 20 years 
about machines that did not keep records that pretty much all of the election authorities realized they needed to have some to have some credibility in the election system. Right. They needed to have some paper record on on file for what actually happened on that day. So is that maybe not the case in these handful of states where there still is some debate and some conversation? I'm thinking Pennsylvania was going on. Georgia may even still be kind of a, a thing. And uh, Wisconsin, like, are those places that maybe don't have as kind of hack proof uh, election processes like we would here? I, I I can't speak for what Pennsylvania does, for instance, uh, but I've not read anything that leads me to believe it's any different anywhere else in that regard. You know, all, all I've read a number of reporters who have looked into this in the last few weeks, you know, and written about it and debunked what the myth is about, you know, how this has been hacked. And, you know, to, to a single, to every report, they have concluded that it would be virtually impossible to do this from a central location. You'd have to do it on a location by location on a machine by machine basis. There is no, like, you can't just play the old school nineties hacker movie, right. you know, type in system on some, you know, <laughs> dot matrix screen and get in and, and immediately change the like sneakers? style from a central place. Right. Did it's you ever see sneakers? Happen. It's called hackers, Jake. No, did you ever Hack- see sneakers? hackers is one of them? <laughs> yeah. Sneakers was good. That was like Robert Redford and like, uh, and, uh, uh, some other old guys and I forget her name, but she's the main lead character in Battlestar Galactica as well. Jesus Christ. So there's, there's a degree of separation between sneakers. So this, and Battlestar this brings Galactica. me to a point that I was talking to Joe about just before we brought you on is I read an article that, um, surmised that some research is, is suggesting that there is no such thing as objective reality. And would you would you feel like that that's maybe the case because we were just able to connect sneakers to Battlestar Galactica uh, without planning it ahead of time? Through is Mary McDonnell is the name of the actress, for what it's worth. Who? Mary McDonnell. She was also her. in Dances with Wolves. You know, Jake, what Was if- she the white lady? In the- yes. She was the one in the teepee? Yes. Really? Now that is interesting. And she was in, also she in was sneakers. in Stargate SG one. Now that I did not know. No, I was asking you. Isn't that what you said? She was on Stargate. She was in Battlestar Galactica. Son of a. Oh, that's hard. So okay, I, I actually do feel old that you guys don't know Battlestar. It's not that it I haven't is, heard it's of not it. Not that old. <laughs> it's not that I haven't heard Everybody's of it. Everybody's a lawyer. Okay. Yeah, I mean, what am I supposed to go watch Battlestar? I mean, are you, I mean, I watch when I'm at work. I watch The Walking Dead. That's usually what I'm watching if I'm at work. So lately, I've just figured mm-hmm. out I have um, commercial free access to Hulu, so I've been watching a lot of It's Always Sunny. But uh, you know, it's a hard. It's hard for me to pay attention to stuff. It's hard. Like if a, if I go through commercials, I forget what I'm watching. So okay, so um, I really feel like we're 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 really allowing me to not lose sleep over some of these conspiracies. I was. Uh, Building up in my head. So let me just kind of cleanse my palate here real quick. So where I was going with this is, um, I think it's pretty safe to say, as I kind of had guessed before we got you on the phone here, Alfred, but that perhaps um, where a lot of the question persists for a lot of people is the discussion or stigma around the mail-in ballot procedures and i know you can only speak to kind of what you know about that locally but is that really something that you think is concerning is that something that would be more hackable than the way we do elections in person so on the one hand 
you know, what you don't have in a mail-in ballot situation, especially one, I'll say, unlike Missouri's system where there's no notarization required. And there were circumstances in Missouri that were no notarization was required, but they were limited. But there, there is a possibility, I suppose, that someone could vote for you, sign your name, send it in, and no one would have any way of knowing unless and until you showed up to say, I didn't vote for that. Um, but what, what the, these allegations that there's you know, dead people voting through the mail or you know, that they were, they're stacking the, 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 the vote through a bunch of you know, votes that shouldn't have been counted because these people were ineligible to vote, you know, what you would have is a one for one, you know, sort of fraudulent vote on behalf of a real voter in a mailing situation that would be hard to verify. But what you wouldn't have is the ability to say, I'm going to throw a million votes into the mail in ballots and swing the election because you have a million real people out there. Who might have showed up to the polls to vote after that might right. have also I mean, sent their mail in the ballot. level of coordination you would have to then some in some way guarantee for yourself at least as the saboteur that those people were not going to go ahead and vote, correct? Well, you would you at best you would have sort of a double vote situation where that would be, you know, be ordinarily voter fraud if somebody did that where they sent in two mail in ballots or they sent in a mail in ballot and then voted without, you know, doing whatever state law procedure allowed for them to retract their mail in vote, et cetera. At worst, you've got conflicting, you know, sort of two different people voting under the same name, right? And, you know, those raise red flags. Those are the types of things the system catches and the system has caught. And, you know, the 15 or whatever cases of electoral or voting fraud, rather, that have happened in the last, you know, 30 years that we know of uh, were were things like that where somebody, you know, voted twice. You know, they, they, they sent in an absentee ballot or, or voted, you know, somewhere else, and then they didn't have the right anyway. to vote and they showed up and voted anyway, you know, in some cases casting provisional ballots, which they technically have the right to do in certain states, certainly Missouri, a provisional ballot for my younger listeners who don't know what that word means. Like me. Uh, <laughs> so a provisional ballot is what you cast. If you show up and they say, well, we're not sure you have the right to vote here, you know, under Missouri law, at least. And I believe the law is similar in many, many states. Um, you have the right to cast what they call a provisional ballot, which is say a ballot that may or may not be counted. And you know, you you sort of give your information. If you didn't have, you're supposed to, you, you were required in Missouri to bring certain forms of ID to the polls, right? So you show up without that ID. You say, I don't have it, but I want to cast a provisional ballot. And I'll come back with my ID, or I'll show the election authority my ID. Uh, you know, there's ways of doing that. You know, the 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 percentage of provisional ballots that are actually cast versus the ones that get caught is something like, you know, five percent, ten percent of the ones that actually get cast. Um, that that actually end up counting in the election. It's very unusual, you know. In in, in jurisdictions within Missouri, I think the city is still this way. Where you, did, you, did you guys have to show up to your polling place, or could you go anywhere? Well, you know what, we didn't test that because we I tested the day of the actual election at my normal polling place. I could I, go anywhere. I didn't have my little card, but I brought um I had my driver's license and I got the new real ID that's like super legit. And, and it had an eagle on it. It's like a double <laughs> holographic. I keep it in a little case. And um so we did that, but it was very, very light. And I was seeing a lot of my friends and family in the county locally at least here. Um and for my abroad listeners, St. Louis and St. Louis County are are extremely separate culturally and 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 legally, but they're right it's right there. Um, and so all my friends and family that lived just West of me in the County were voting seemingly at one of a handful of polling places with no kind of appointment or anything, but they were voting no. early in person 
as being as an absentee kind of COVID concern kind of thing. That was kind of the, 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 the hack. So the county instituted in the last two elections, uh, something called open polling. So in the county, we, I, I used to have to go to the rec center in Webster right by my house. This year Doxed. I was working the polls and all of that. And I voted in all of that just because I'm a county voter. I can vote anywhere I want. They just, what they did was they set up computers so that you don't, they don't have your printed ballot for your polling place with your local elections on it. They literally print it out as you, re, you, you register in. So all my Webster elections were printed out on the, the laser printer as I was there. I filled it out and moved on. It counted it. They, they allocated it and, and it was great. And I think it helped a lot of people alleviate long lines. You know, part of what I did this year as an election observer was moving people from going, okay, this polling place has no line and you're waiting two hours here. Everybody in line, you're five minutes away from a polling place that has no line. Go drive to it. You know, and they two said, years thank ago, you. We do that. Thank you, Mr. Alfred for the, for the tip. Right. I mean, they were, were they grateful? Did you have to do this? I, you know, they were mostly skeptical. <laughs> I got a lot of looks like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. And why is he talking That's to me funny. in line at the elections? Were you why is wearing? He and then, to go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and when people realized, oh, wait, I'm actually telling them things and I, I had a badge. So I looked official and I was wearing a suit, which helps. The suit helps. Uh, I was going to say, cause that, that I love your Ralph Lauren fleece. But it's uh, it's bright red. It kind of comes across as biased. And you can't go up to people saying like, "Hey, you looking for some action?" There's hey, a better you wanna, line you down want, the street. Do you want a more exclusive vote? You want a shorter line? Yeah. <laughs> you guys want to see a dead body? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I mean, it, it, at first, there people like ignored me, like literally, like didn't look at me or acknowledge that I was talking to them, and then. What I did was I thought got you were crazy. Election oh, good. authority people to come with me. The crazy guy in the I suit. Credibility, so it worked right. out. So you got backup. This is really illuminating for me, and I know locally. I know that the process to get a actual mail-in ballot here and, and locally in St. Louis and in Missouri was not like they just sent you one and it was easy, right? I know that that's been alleged in some places, but here it's it's like trying to get something from the DMV or something. It's kind of a nightmare. And it's very much something that you do um, actively. It's not like you could just, you know, wake up and vote and go back to sleep. Um, I, you know, I did even have a friend from work who was uh, COVID positive, but asymptomatic. And they came in hazmat suits and she voted on her front porch. Well, that's great. That's the way it should be. I'm, I'm frankly surprised something like that would happen in Missouri. They wouldn't say, guess what? Suck it up, go vote. Because that's been our legislature's attitude. Toward it. I think it may be her tax bracket. Bracket. <laughs> it probably um, helps. I don't know. That's interesting. If they like, if they said, well, do we want her to vote? Now, this is an interesting question because me and Joe had this, had this conversation maybe uh, a handful of weeks ago on the show that um, maybe we don't want everybody to vote. How different do you think it would be if everybody was forced to vote? Like if you, if your vote was going to get counted one way or the other, like they claim the census is, what if it was like <laughs> renewing your license plates where the vast majority of sane, civilized people are voting, even if they don't really want to? So uh, that's how Australia runs its elections, right? It, it, voting is mandatory. It's, it's, it's not optional. Um, I, I'm not sure that it would look all that different. You know, what I've come to the conclusion after the last couple of elections is that we neither side outnumbers the other one. And the fence sitters who can be brought um, to one side or the other are pretty equitably split between both sides. So, you know, it, it's, it's, you would have, I'm not convinced that you don't already have a majority of low information or non-informational voters at this point. I and mean, you would just have that many more. Um, would it change anything? No, people vote their tribe, right? Like they're going to, what does my dad 
is he Democrat or Republican? They're going to vote for that. If they don't know anything else, they're going to vote with their friends vote. So. I just, I'm struggling with a, with a follow-up question because that's a great answer. I'm just trying to think about... Um, yeah. I had to throw water at my cat. Uh, the cat's this trying... This needs to stay in. The, the throwing the water at the cat has to stay in. Oh, I'm not taking any of this out. We're going to wait. We're going to leave in you getting your headphones. It's going to be... That's going to be the, the cold open. <laughs> Look is, at this amateur hour. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, Do you have headphones? It's going to be better with headphones. And then we're going to go to the opener. We already, we already, we already did today. Is it worth um, getting somebody who might be on the tech side of it to really? Because then I guess you know, describing more loop, like if there's in depth loopholes that maybe Al can't describe. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the tech man. For what? He's talking about about the voting. A face to face level. We can't. So okay, so You'd have one to get somebody at the voting, at, you know, what's what's the company now that they were alleging in Georgia? Oh, and can I have my easy flag? There's, yeah, you'd have to get somebody who works there, like, so and, and th- they're probably under NDA. So this I is an interesting thing that I brought up. So when I said Chris Krabs cooks crispy bacon, uh, that's what I just say to remember his name because it's fun. Um, easy twenty twenty, nice and hey, that was a good catch too. Thank you. Thank you. Al knows. Al knows me well enough to know that it's not guaranteed that I'm going to make that catch. <laughs> uh, I'm just draping my Kanye flag over myself because I'm holding out hope. And my. Um, so I asked you, what were we going with this? this you were talking about Krebs. Chris Krebs cooked some crispy bacon. So my and understanding. I think he may be an American hero for what it's worth. Here's That's my opinion. It here's what's crazy is it's so crazy back and forth. Cause he was the, I first heard his name cause I heard on some conspiracy podcast that he was like a vice president of something at Microsoft and then went on to be the supervisor of, um, uh, election security, cybersecurity, and mm-hmm. was also in, in that way, potentially lobbying for Microsoft's developed um, software election guard for the Pentagon exclusively. And then is there any conflict of interest there? But then he gets fired by Trump and then Elizabeth Warren is the only person I've ever seen mention him on Twitter and calls him a hero for whatever he did, which I haven't had time to look into. You were saying Krebs is a hero for he just what? made a statement. Sorry. I'm, I mean, what, what he did to get fired was not tow the company line that there's election fraud yeah, in large part because for three years he led the effort on a national level to make sure there wasn't election fraud and there wasn't a hack. So basically his boss's boss was saying that there was elections, election fraud and Chris Being Krebs, the president who was yeah, saying that. Right, right. 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 And then Chris Krebs was like, I don't know. I don't have evidence to be so definitive about it. And then they said, you fired. It wasn't even that he said, I have evidence to be definitive that that did not happen. He came out very strongly in that regard. This was the safest and most secure election. And I think that all the evidence bears that statement out. And I think he, it was a very supportable statement and he knows where the support is. He can right. support it. Right. So what, you know, what happened was this noise, this cacophony of, you know, this is the worst fraud ever perpetrated. Biden had 80 million illegal voters show up and vote. And, you know, the, 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 he said none of that happened. This was a secure election. There was no fraud. There is no evidence of fraud which is what any person who knows anything about the evidence is saying right now. Is it, it was, isn't that, he was a hero though, for saying it, knowing that he was going to get fired for it. Right. You know, it's, it's small, small age heroism, but 
nevertheless now you should get the so heart. many people have failed that test in the administration right now they'd have to for someone to crawl over that bar is an act of heroism well i don't you think i think the whole situation is still a little bit problematic because you're asking somebody to you're asking somebody whose job it is to make sure that doesn't happen to say that 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 they didn't do their job and there's a guy who the guy whose boss you know his boss who who you know it, the the uh product didn't you know come out in his favor so he wants to tell him that he didn't do his job and it, it, he kind of put him in a in a no-win situation but also he, he in order to i would always choose to defend my uh integrity and my you know integrity of a hard worker you know by saying you know, yeah, I did my job fully and to the best of my abilities. And I can say that, you know, because it would, again, it would be really bad if he was like, there was absolutely election fraud. Trump is totally right. And this is really, that would be a really bad situation for his job, for his people. And it would probably mess things up so badly that it would become more corrupt than it is now. And I think, so I think the whole situation with Krebs is kind of problematic. Well, there are two aspects that I think that we should unpack. Number one is if he wanted to keep his job and keep doing it, all he had to do was fall on his own sword and say, yeah, the election was totally bunk. I didn't do my job. My, my team failed. You know, our efforts, we did our best, but, you know, someone hacked it and we're looking into it, but Biden shouldn't be president. He would still be employed and have a future. And, you know, if there was a second term of a Trump administration, he would be very high on the list you think to so? be in a good place of power. Okay. But secondarily, if that was the decision, you know, if that was the route he chose to take, if there were real questions about whether he did his job and there was evidence that anything that the president or those that are suggesting the president was, you know, the election was stolen from the president, you know, had if there was any proof behind that or any evidence behind it. And so far, through all the efforts, through all the courts, through all of the media efforts that they've taken, I personally have not seen anyone with any credibility suggest that there is one iota of evidence that any of this happened. And yeah. Chris Krebs, as far as I can tell, unless you know some fact comes out that hasn't been revealed to the public at this point, uh, simply told the truth. And you know whether or not he had an interest in telling the truth, I mean, of course he had an interest in saying, yeah, we did the best job we, we could. Um, telling the truth should be the, the only thing that matters. Right. That's great. I really enjoy that. I just My think goodness. the job system and capitalism can get muffly, but I Listen. think you're right. Well, the, you're not wrong that the incentives are off, and, and that's true across the board. <gasps> Al, you have a lovely insight. I think we, you and me had a conversation that has become relevant again. You may not remember <laughs> this. We had a conversation about um, the hypocrisy of like uh, middle or upper middle class people who are ideologically at least vocally very uh small government or anti kind of uh um like taxes and infrastructure and whatnot we had a story a couple weeks ago that i keep getting questions about about a um a basically you can call them a feral village of libertarians who decided to completely unplug from established (laughs) civilization and they went to go live in the woods but they were like near like a fucking military base or something and they unleashed like drugged up bears on him joe remind me am, am i getting there was no drugged what? up bears but there were fucking nature, bears nature fought back against libertarians <laughs> it was and there were bears were there not bears? i thought there were black bears true story just it's so crazy that even the monolith story can get 
more traction than this did. But I, mean, I need to crazy. read this at some point. But there's a great. Are you, are you saying drugged up bears attack? No, drugged up. My brother recapped bears. it. My brother added that the bear. He thought my brother thought that the military base um, dosed the bears to make them more aggressive towards the libertarians living in their. Thanks feral for citing village. that source. That's what my brother added to it. I was playing telephone with myself on accident. I didn't know Kanye twenty twenty. There's a great Kanye article, and it will read itself. Check to him you. on on Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah, our infowars.gov. Right. Yeah. So, so do you guys have parlor accounts yet? Is that a thing? You know, I started one, one, but it, um, parlor. you know, not a lot of chicks on parlor. <laughs> I'm shocked to hear that. I, I really thought it was parlor. Joe is the um, conservative alternative to Facebook. Really? That is such a beautiful. That's that is. It's totally like just, you know, it feels like Bruce Springsteen in the 70s would be on there. So before we get into the weeds uh, about some of this other shit that we haven't gotten to yet that I had prepared to talk about today that There's we're going to include you on, uh, I did have a question just about from your perspective. So um, from the election perspective, I feel a lot better knowing um, kind of in more detail from you um, how the election kind of works at the local level and, and the level of conspiracy that would have to be at play for it to be kind of threatened in any way. And I wasn't necessarily intellectually worried, but you know, I spent a lot of time driving around with my dogs, playing Pokemon go, listening to con- uh, like conspiracy theories and on being YouTube. real worried. And I worry, you know what I mean? Those are my two things is like, I drive and I worry and I eat filet fish. There's two for you buy one, get one for a dollar right now. But what I always try to ask, um, people that I talk to is how can we connect this back to kind of um, our normal daily experience? And one of the things I want to ask you is what are the things that normal average citizens should be concerned about when we're getting distracted by all the news about exclusively COVID-19 and the election? Well, I heard two questions there. What what should normal people be be concerned about? And the, the the Joe asked where that, where is the conspiracy? And I think those two things have a wide gulf between them, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of media dedicated to, to distracting our attention away from you know, our everyday lives to be rage, enraged about the next thing. You know, and, and, and social media has only made this worse, right? Like there's a concerted effort, whether it's the Russians or the Chinese or the Democrats or the Republicans or, you know, the hippies or whoever is wanting you to be mad about this thing. What everybody, they people should do is, I'm I'm going to go back to, you know, the the Jerry Garcia tune in, turn on tune in, drop out, and it's not it's Timothy Leary that said that, not Jerry Garcia. So I'm sorry, uh, sorry but yeah. you know, no, my mom level, I think was born the next year. <laughs> at some level, it's it's you know, pay enough attention to know where the players are and who they are. And then stop obsessing over it because it just drives us all crazy. I mean, I think Trump is a symptom of that more than anything in that, you know, feel good about him, feel bad about him on both sides of this thing. He's dominated our attention span for the last four years. And I'm frankly glad to have a boring government potentially ahead of us for a little while where I can stop watching it because it's like a train wreck all the time. Yeah, it's not good. You're not watching it because it's so great. It's not like um, you're not watching it because you love it. You know what I mean? Even the people that love the president don't love the, exactly. the challenges that he's fighting every day. If they exactly. if they're not mad well, at him, they're mad at everyone. Range. It's what his whole shtick is. Right? Yeah, if they're not mad at him, they're mad at everyone that he's mad at, which is several people a day, very publicly. <laughs> 
It's like that. And it's a, an ever-changing <laughs> spectrum of of who's the who's the the Emmanuel Goldstein of the moment. You know, what 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 five minute hate are we doing today? I don't know who Emmanuel Two Goldstein. Two minute hate. I'm sorry. I, I'm misquoting everything tonight. Battlestar Galactica. No, you're doing great. Battlestar Galactica. Stargate SG1. I just <laughs> saw a YouTube ad for Stargate. It, it, it's not SG1. It's Battlestar Galactica, children. Battlestar Galactica. And watch it. I don't even know if you can stream it right. You know now. what I really loved truly when I was a little boy? Baywatch. <laughs> I love fucking loved Baywatch. I seriously, I remember sitting at my Aunt Jenny's little table in her kitchen and she had this shitty little TV in the corner. Like when you still did that, like there's a phone on the wall. This is like a hundred years ago. And Baywatch was coming on and just the theme song and the slow motion running on the beach with those buoys, honey. Mm-hmm. Were you a Pam Anderson guy or a Yasmin Bleeth guy? <sighs> Pam Anderson, I think at the time. I think I it's thought a- I liked blondes for a long time when I was a child. I think it was, you know, you don't know. You're forming your tastes. Uh, I was also really into, um, there was a, like a young Latin fella one season, was there not? I wouldn't know, honestly. Joe, I need you to find those VHS tapes. <laughs> Joe, start Googling uh, uh, Baywatch, Baywatch guys can you e- and tell can us you who was eBay? on there. Oh yeah, Google got, uh, the men of Baywatch, and then if you could eBay the, the whole VHS series, tapes. it's probably going to be on VHS, but I have a, I do have a VCR down here All somewhere. right, I got Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He was on Baywatch? Was he? <laughs> No, there was a movie. no. He was in the movie, right? Like that was like a remake. Supposed to make you guys oh, mad. oh, oh! The um, Zach Efron was that him? It was supposed to immediately piss you guys off when I said that. <laughs> no, I really thought maybe like OG, like when he was young or something, he was on it, and that would have blown my mind. <clears throat> I thought that's where you were going. Could have happened. You would think I would get Joe's sense of humor by now. Um, okay, so David Hasselhoff, Hasselhoff, of course, but he's not Latin. Pamela. Pamela Anderson. Yeah. You, you're looking for the Latin guy. There's a Latin guy. Or maybe he was in the movie. I remember when the movie was coming out. Jeremy that was a big Jackson. Deal. That doesn't sound like Bucks. a Latin guy. You know, they didn't have. Can Liza. you do this on your own and come back to me with it? <laughs> okay. Joe, did so you I, have a story? I do want to get back to Joe's question about where's the actual conspiracy because it's a compelling question. Please. Right? Yes. I was. So, Jake, good. what Save do us. you think, man? Me? Oh, man. Jesus. Um, you know, my thing is, uh, yeah, I bring in the experts. I'm wondering what, like (laughs) what the, if there, if it was malicious, the, the attempt to constantly saturate our attention span all the time and be in control of the media narrative, like Trump has tried to be, or if it's just cause he needs the attention and he's just that captivating. Cause it's an unprecedented sort of uh, absurd version of the office. Um, and I feel both of those things simultaneously, so I don't know which way to go. I think they can both be true and probably are. You know, there's it was an opportunistic sort of tick of personality that just developed into, oh my God, this worked. Let's just dial it up until let's see how far this can go. And I mean, why do you think it's been so successful? It's so weird to think about how rigged the DNC has been in the last two elections and kind of so openly to think that somebody like Trump would be able to be an outsider and infiltrate the the thing like that. What's that about? Well, I mean, you got more votes than the other guys and really not that much of a surprise when you saw the other guys on stage. That's also true. I always had that feeling that they don't really want to win. Well, if they wanted to win, they didn't. You know, they they certainly they certainly didn't have 
what it took. And Hillary didn't either. You know, Biden barely pulled this off. Let's be honest. I yeah. mean, it was uh, 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 on, on the one hand, a, a landslide victory of what, seven, eight million votes. I don't even know anymore. Sure. Uh, and, and on the other hand, like, you know, 100,000 votes in two states and it goes the other way. You know, that's a quirk of our system, but it's the system. And, you know, as broken as it is, you got to play by the rules. The Avengers assembled. So would you are should average citizens be upset with the Electoral College or do you think it's a real split of it really goes state by state, whether or not it represents your like as a blue voter in a red state? Like, it's not that my vote necessarily matters on a national scale as much, but go ahead. I mean, the answer really depends on where you live. Right. If you like having outsized power and you live in the middle of nowhere, the Electoral College is great. If you want to live where other people live, you know, unless you don't mind having half the vote, you know, a tenth of the vote, a hundredth of the vote of someone who lives in the middle of nowhere. The Electoral College is fundamentally broken, unrepresentative, and undemocratic. And there's no two ways about that. It's really not up for debate. And so, what... I think it's a good system. How do... Joe, what the... what? You might like it, but it's not democratic. Yeah, so explain that. Explain it, because people are going to... But you I, can bully people into... I mean, I seriously, I feel like that's the way it works. Because when you have just swaths of culture... And uh, in the in the most comfortable living space on the planet, and you or or you're in Portland and you're worried that you know they're gonna burn your house down, you can really bully people into voting. And and, and I'm not saying they're making any policy to reflect, you know, the way farmers live their lives. But I mean, you know, you want some representation that isn't just California and New York. Oh, and that's why we have the House of Representatives. And you know the Senate, which is also extremely undemocratic. More like what? Yeah, I was just thinking this on the way home today. I mean, I feel like in theory we have three branches. You know, a winner-take-all system for one of those branches being stacked in favor of a minority of this country is inherently an undemocratic situation. And you're referring to the Senate in that case. Well, the Senate is 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 one version of that, but it's it's half of the legislative branch. I was talking about the executive. You know, winner-take-all system. You have one chance and a minority you know in in two elections in the last 20 years a minority of the people in this country have elected the guy that we all have to live with for the next four years that's twice that's eight years out of 20 you know that's that's not a good system and i certainly interpret it that way i certainly feel that way about it it bums me out um but uh, as i think i've said before on the show but um what keeps that in why don't why isn't there more out outcry or uproar or outrage well here's where you go back to you know if religion was the opiate of the masses back uh in the 1800s what is the opiate of the masses today i mean what keeps people from armed revolution against a system that effectively suppresses their voice right and there's any number of distractions uh, including what we're doing right now you know these are these are things that you know back in the times of you know certainly the revolutionary war the french revolution when people rose up you know, the communist revolutions of the early 20th century, there was no internet. There weren't video games. There wasn't, you know, there was pot, I guess. There was alcohol, but alcohol is probably an instigant to revolution more or less than in the suppressant. So, you know, why are people sedated by all of the cultural things that we have? You look around us, we've got so many creature comforts. Why would I go out on the streets and wield a rifle against, you know, drone strikes? It doesn't make sense. Drone strikes me. Come here. Um, I need you to explain 
this to Joe a little bit uh, while I run to the <laughs> restroom. Joe, you're going to sit here. I'm going to take my easy flag and I have to pee because I have, I've had Joe get me nine of these and he's too good at it. Um, but listen, so the real thing that, cause I'm not trying to pause this conversation even cause it's, it's going so well that, um, I'm thinking it's so very dystopian in a way that like, I was just talking to Joe before we got you on that. If you go to certain neighborhoods, it looks like the apocalypse right now, except all the drive throughs are open, right? There's just a lot more food. And cause that's really when I noticed it, that's when I'm not playing Pokemon go and driving at the same time is when I'm in a drive through, I have time to look around and it's just crazy out there. So, um, well, and I mean, where are you driving through? Where are we talking about? Is this North St. Louis specifically? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we had a whole segment about it earlier. So if you go to the intersection of natural bridge and Kings highway, it's a total hellscape. It looks like Cormac McCarthy's the road, except there's a bunch of cars, most of which would no license plates on them in all the drive through lines. So, um, I'm I'm just trying to think about like the Senate seems to be this place we keep getting stuck in with things that we try to accomplish, even if it seems like it's got support from places that should matter. Um, and what keeps those kind of there's no real checks and balances there no. in the Senate. The Senate I mean, is broken. Yeah, and so what what do we do about that? And if you could um, also talk to Joe a little bit about the. Um, why population centers seem to vote one way, but the electoral college is kind of keeping this other ideology alive. There's the, you, there's a lot to unpack in both of those. I know, but I need you to remember why that. Don't you, I'm why go don't pee. you go pee and Joe and I will, will, will get, go down a rabbit hole and something. We're not live. So this is just, this is really just us and I have zoom pro. So <laughs> there's no time limit. Well, I mean, if you got to pee, you got to pee, man. I mean, do what you got to do. I do. I do. So, so I'll st- I'll start with the Senate while you guys shuffle here. I know, I need and and you know the problem with the Senate is Wyoming versus California. It's one thing to say, you know, why should we be ruled by New York and California? It's a fair point, and and the founders set this up to not have that problem, right? But why should Wyoming have you know with with I don't even know that what they have like eight hundred thousand people in the entire state, like it's smaller than St. Louis County. Why should they have two senators versus? Everybody else is two senators. It doesn't make sense in this day and age. What is their excuse? Well, I mean, it's a system that they were fed into, right? It was it was established in 1789, and it wasn't they. You know, the the founding fathers had a lot of foresight on a lot of things, but they couldn't have imagined where we'd end up today. Hmm. So we keep this because it entrenches certain power situations. You know, those senators the party that supports them universally Republican in rural areas that are underrepresented, the Republican party has zero interest in changing this and will do everything it can to stop it from changing. Right. Like there's, why would they? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just got the population of Wyoming. It's like 500,000. You're right. Yeah. I, I mean, I still, what they don't have any excuse for like, they don't, you know, well, we supply the blah, blah, blah. You know, there's nothing, there's no like some sort of, monetized you know reason i mean that wasn't the logic that set the senate up in the first place though it was that you know each state is its own sovereign country and we're a union of these sovereign countries and they all need to be equally represented because we're equal sovereigns the united states you know state being its own nation and you know we we fought this battle in in the 1860s and the states lost and the federal government won 
And yet, you know, this system of equal apportionment, which is essentially devolved into the ability to veto and ram through appointments uh, over your opponent's objections, if you happen to have a bare majority, um, you know, there's one party that is truly, you know, taken it to that level, and it's the Republicans. And they've, you know, it used to be this place of comedy and, you know, some kind of compromise. It was this genteel institution where people, you know, Reagan era kind observed of like, an older way of doing things, right? Yeah. And that's not true anymore. Right. Yeah, I guess the, I guess, <laughs> I hear him coming. I guess the question, <laughs> You can keep talking. Yeah, well, you know, it's just so distracting. What is <laughs> Nothing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I had a I heard about my big fat ass coming at you. Get on my seat. <laughs> I, I stand corrected. Maybe you can't t- keep talking. So, I mean, I, I could go on all day, Jake, about why the Senate is broken, but, you know, it, it, the math speaks for itself at the end of the day. You know, we've got, a minu- we've got minority rule right now in the three branches. Wow. You know, the only, the only one that is represented represents a majority of the people in this country who have expressed their will to have it be in under control is the, the House of Representatives. Every other institution in this country is rep- represents fewer than half of the people who showed up to vote. Mm-hmm. Well, so can we talk about that too? So when you look at these two presidential candidates at this last election, being the two winningest as far as number of votes in history, Jesus, what does it say that other than just population growth, what does it say that more people voted than ever when historically it's been such a problem that people vote? And what does it say that it was still so close? Silicon Valley. That, that is fundamentally the thing that was the most surprising and disheartening to me about this election. Um, you know, you, you can guess where my sentiments lie from a number of things that I've already said. You know it personally, but at the end of the day, I think both sides were hoping for a sweeping victory that showed that they were the dominant tribe and that, you know, this was either this is the way what we've been doing for the last four years, or this was an aberrant thing that was going to be put to, to death and never to be resurrected again. And what we got was a stalemate fundamentally was we realized, I think that the numbers bear this out is that this country, neither tribe, is big enough to overwhelm the other and we have to live together and that is depressing because we all hate each other a lot yeah i mean it's so you and me with our rhetoric just between us when we're in conversation that's something i would quote here um by any means but people that has it seem to harbor toxic ideologies we really believe that that comes from an evil place. Cause that's how it feels knowing the things that we know about certain issues to know that people disagree with our stance on those. It really feels like something's wrong with them. Like it's, and they <laughs> must feel that way about us, about a lot of other things, which is totally their privilege. I'm just, what do you say to the people that, that inevitably, even if it's a major a minority of psych, like psycho, like, um, <laughs> militia what do you say to the people that that say maybe we don't have to all force ourselves to live together the people that are so out loud saying that um we want our country to be this one kind of way 
Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's dangerous to think that by force of arms, violence, et cetera, that we can force the other tribe to adhere to our own creed. And from where I sit, I don't hear that coming from my side. I hear it coming from the other side, but I'm sure there are people on the other side that hear it coming from my side. And, you know, that's fundamentally the issue is that we're, we're disconnected from each other on both sides of this political divide right now. And, you know, I, I keep coming back you know, what do, how do I talk about Donald Trump, who I will not pretend that I like mm-hmm. at all or understand why anyone would to. like? Yeah. You know, what do I say to my children about him? Right. You know, in a way, you know, and they don't like him either without us telling them about it. But what do I say to them? You know, I keep coming back to it, like every human being is worthy of God's love. And I say that I, I, I'm an Episcopalian. So that's the framework I come from. But whether you believe in God or not, every human being is worthy of this basic respect, humanity, love that we afford each other. And so people on the other side of the aisle have to fit that profile, right? Like we can't keep hating each other from a distance or even close up because we're going to rip each other apart. We're going to rip apart as a country. And if this election bore anything out, the numbers, the closeness, the, 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 the furor on both sides is that people are fired up about what they believe. And there's a lot of people on both sides and neither one of them is going to be able to dominate the other in any kind of short term. Nothing's going to change unless we change it with each other. Um, Yeah. You know, you kept saying about, you kept saying um, you were talking about the Senate and how it's so undemocratic. Is that the term? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what he said, Joe. Um, It is undemocratic. It's it's a word. Do you, you're saying that, I feel like you're saying that from a perspective of, do you believe it could be better? I, I, I do. I mean, this, it's just mechanically broken for one thing. I mean, if you look at parliamentary systems across the world in, in developed democracies, there's lots of ways of cutting this out. You know, we have we have some t- t- some real fundamental problems. You know, leaving the Senate aside, the House of Representatives has its own problems, and the, the executive branch has its problems. But the House of Representatives, let's just say you fixed it like a parliamentary system, where you don't have a winner takes all vote. You have party platforms. You have the ability to you know vote for a proportional representation where. If 15% of the vote of a a state goes to the Green Party, they get 15% of the seats. You know, this is not a novel idea. These are things that are instituted throughout the world. And you hear anyone in this country who is in favor of the two-party system will will tell you, well, it's gridlock. They've got to form all these coalitions. Nothing gets done. It seems like every other country manages to function pretty well with these systems. So, you know, as far as I can tell, that's a bunch of bullshit. Um, So we could fix the House that way. And then you really don't need a Senate. Because everybody's voice is being heard. What does the Senate do anyway, other than stall things or fulfill or you know, certain, the, house. the House of Lords, right. you know, a- analog? Sorry, Jake, I, you were talking. No, no, I was just saying, it's ex- I was just helping you that that's exactly he like, they seem, they seem they're mostly like a roadblock <laughs> for the House. At least, I mean, most people I talk to, the House approaches issues that are very real to them. And then it seems like the Senate can choose not to even hear it. Which is weird. Voting well, yeah, it down. You, you don't vote, even have to bring it to a vote. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Voting it down is fine. Vote it down. That's your power. You were put there. I was not. But to not hear it, is that something that we should uh, address? I mean, what is the well, look, democratic? Look at Merrick ad- Garland. It's exactly what they did. They just said, we're just not going to even consider doing our job. And why would, I mean, I don't understand why we just added old girl to the joint. And then, and then that seemed like it, it seemed like it was so long before the election that 
we were trying to get uh, Merrick Garland. It was nine months. That's what I thought. That's a long Versus time. Three fucking weeks. So what's the <laughs> I mean, deal? There's no comparison. The rank hypocrisy of that act of those two acts back to back. I mean, it, it, there is no intellectual honesty on the Republican side of the aisle when it comes to these things. Their only real value is power can do what it wants. And we will keep power through any means so we can keep doing what we want. Free that market. is the Republican Party. Easy. Easy there. Well, it is. I mean, count, prove me wrong. I, no, I, I was telling Joe. I was telling Joe to take it easy. Do that. I was chanting free market. Yeah, he was chanting free market. So. Um, well, so here's the, so I'm a kid, you know. I'm I'm Ow! <laughs> what? Just you saying that with the, his face after you said free market, and then you say, "Look, I'm a kid." That's my. That's <laughs> Look, the clip of the week. Listen. So the way I see it, this is really, this is really pretty, pretty broad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, Jake. We I'm have ready. all. The, you I'm, said we I'm, have all the time. I'm ready to receive it. Okay. Well, I'm gonna say it right now. So, and if I don't want you to interrupt me when I say it. <laughs> um. So you know I'm. I feel like we are the problem is the virtue signaling and the the social media has caused these politicians to and especially Trump's win I feel like has actually incentivized the um incentivized politicians to be more polar to say because now because now we have things like you know education policy not being passed because they say because there's like this virtue signal action happening where they say, I can't, no, I can't, I can't say yes to that because I would be putting, and it's like, no, you can, that's a completely separate issue from whatever your people are worried about. And so I feel like that those mechanics involved make it, you know, you were talking about how, you know, there, we should just get rid of that party in general. I think that that might be a good, sorry, not party, but get rid of that uh, part of the government in general. But I think, I think the problem lies in, you know, the way we are deciding to carry out, you know, carry out politics, you know. Well, I look, look, a good example is our own Senator Josh Hawley this week. You know, he he is he used, used to teach at the law school I went to, which is a great source of shame to me and has kept me from. Doing yeah, you should be embarrassed. I wouldn't go around telling people that. And, and, and but but this week he took a position that he is not going to vote to fund the military. You know, and feel how the about the military. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe that would not be a bad thing in a vacuum. I'm taking but you know, a we're you know, th- we're talking about a cliff where the military doesn't have the money to operate, and you know, all these soldiers now have a bunch of guns and no paychecks, which you know just doesn't work for any number of reasons. Sure, but the, his rationale was because we're we're the, the the Democrats wanted to change the names of bases uh, to erase Confederate. Traitor generals from the 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 military base. It's name. an outrage, and because we haven't taken away Facebook's right to discriminate against conservatives, because Donald Trump's mad about the election, which that is, is why we have now for not funding the military. Right, which is what I'm it talking about. Non fucking sensical. Right. This is a clean podcast. No, it's is not. It? No, it is. Is it? <laughs> I heard Jake swear before yeah. I opened up the can. Joe has to bleep them all by hand, but it's fine. He likes the, it keeps him it keeps him focused. Um <laughs> so now I, that I know that I will watch my language. No, it was I'm a sorry. joke. No, it was a joke. We don't know. We don't bleep a thing. No, um no. okay, good. some some people worry about the original this the um 
like the opening segment being cleaner than the rest of it because there's some thing on YouTube or something that'll flag it. Are you talking about your brother? Um. Oh yeah, my brother probably made <laughs> yeah. that up too. The unimpeachable source of all knowledge. Right. Now yeah. He's a whole marketing division. Yeah. yeah he's not right. even here to defend himself. People are. Yeah, you're right. Maybe we shouldn't say anything. No, I'm just thinking I accidentally left him in. I took a phone call from him when we were recording last week and left it on the podcast, I believe. No, you took it off. Did I think I took I it off? To it. I took it off the video. I it think it's it, my favorite part, and you took it off. Is it? I think it could still be in the. Um, be in the video. Yeah. In the audio, though. No. Anyway. Oh yeah, Core's banquet. Oh my! Did you dig that up out of a fucking time capsule? <laughs> I got it. It's Schnooks. Of the, all places. Um, it was it was all Cobra Kai. It made me look for banquet, and I was glad I did. Yeah, yeah. Old shows like that make what me want things say? like stag or banquet. Cobra Kai is not even an old show. Your man. whole sentence, I was completely it, he knows some, circles around me. Yeah, he some he knows some of those words. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys, you know what Cobra Kai is? No. Yeah, it's the bad guys from um the Karate Kid, and then they had a show that was on like YouTube Red or something. Exactly, and now it's on Netflix. Oh yeah, I heard it was good. It on Netflix, so it's still going. It's a it is a present show. It is a thing that's happening. Um, but John, I like that's all epic. I really exclusively prefer banquet beer. Yeah, Coors, Coors banquet. Oh. Yeah, you can only have it at a banquet such as that's this. the champagne of beers. No, 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 that's, that's high life. That's high life. See, it's oh. banquet. Yeah. Oh, what? Is that all you get? Is the sticker? No, no, no. That's the whole. It's can. not a sticker. It's on the can. It's part of. It's part of the logo. It's the label. Coors is banquet beer. It's been banquet beer since the fifties. Mm-hmm. Mm. What I is a banquet? This up. My wife doesn't believe me, but you guys are actually the first people I've ever met that are not women that didn't know that. Okay, what the fuck is that shit? I mean, I'm just. It's just a factual statement. You guys are the first creatures I've ever met, except for women <laughs> who didn't know Coors Banquet is the banquet beer. Al, Al, you know you're. And you got a bat mitzvah. If you got some kind of a retirement party, you got to get the Coors Banquet. <laughs> Boys, I'm glad to be a part of your educational experience. It's important. This is exactly why I wanted you to be on the show because Joe needs so much of this guidance. I mean, he's got like nine brothers and sisters they're barefoot they're wearing diapers it's, it's a, a fucking nightmare uh, uh feral um yeah you're a product you know Al, you're a pro you're a product of us not having enough uh we, we people are worried about citing us on the show so we had you on to get you hammered and talk about women yeah we need the reinforcement <laughs> we need the yeah. expert opinion on our non-expert he's a lawyer <laughs> he's right on my law firm webpage you know I'm oh good yeah, this is I'm, I'm absolutely not going to do that. While Did you're you, posing um, next to your Mesa Boogie 1960 immaculate stereo. I, I don't have a Mesa. I, actually, I, I'm using Class D stuff now. It's all new. Yeah, it's the future. It's the future. You a know transistor. what? I got rid of all my Altoids tins on all my pedal boards because I feel like it's propaganda. I feel like Big Mint is trying to infiltrate my life and control <laughs> my mouth. And I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to start making my own toothpaste. I, I actually have a neutral one. It's just, but it's almost too small for picks. So I, I was thinking of going with the Altoids, but I will, I will support you in your anti-mint. Well, I just have Altoid alternatives. You know what I mean? I have my um, Newman's own cinnamon mints that has a tiger on it. That's a great tin. I have an old uh, vintage, like snake bite first aid kit that somebody gave me like a metal tin from that. So I think there's alternatives. Those would seem to work pretty well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those are great for, they do the same job. You know, we're just not supporting 
you know, globalist mint propaganda. Mine says Black Lives Matter, so I don't know about you guys. So Joe's is woke. Yeah. And ours are, mine actually, I believe, is a uh, St. George's cross, which I think is like the British fascist symbol. I didn't realize that. Thanks. Um, Great. So, God, did I tell you about the doozer today? Jesus. Okay. So, we already talked about this. No, you have to explain what. So, there are guitar forums where people are talking. So, there's a guitar gear page on Facebook, and they were just having some conversation. And sometimes when I get bored at work and I'm just begging for something to do, so I go into the void of Facebook, and there's these like. Guys like me who are just sitting around at work bored and they want to talk about, oh, what's your favorite acoustic guitar amp? And then this guy, I, I'm just trying to scroll past this bullshit fucking thread that I don't Jake want to read. Jake wants to argue with every one of them. And then this one guy just said, oh, I I'm like on some of these boards. This I guy said, I like that. the uh, I like the Vox AG50. And so I just replied, spoken like a true Zionist shill. And then I left just because I thought that was a funny thing to say. Right. <laughs> I didn't a even funny thing to say. I didn't even think it would even be considered serious. I thought he would laugh at it. <laughs> and now he can't get groceries. Well, it turns out this guy's name just so happened to be Goldstein. And he's a very out loud. Um, fucked up. He's a very out loud <laughs> protester of anti-Semitic sentiment. And apparently being anti-Zionist is somehow anti-Semitic. I don't know enough about the term. It's just something I heard somebody called. And what are the odds that I busted out completely at random on an actual, like, politically, like, outward member of the holy tribe of the chosen people of Israel? You are you are now on the Mossad's hit list. I swear to God, they're going to show up at my house. I'm, I don't even know how to make a joke about that. I don't know what I'm There's allowed no, to say. No, you're actually fucked. There's no joke. Well, I think I'm certainly boned. got flagged from Ultimate Guitar Acoustic Preamps. Yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get kicked <laughs> out of the uh, the the middle aged. You're gonna miss out on all that cubicle farm fucking guitarists that want to talk about their favorite acoustic Bunch guitar players, probably. Probably picking their bases. So you know what I'm saying. So Alfred, who do you really think uh, has the right to the Holy Land? To the what? To the Holy Land. Oh my God, no! I'm just <laughs> going there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nobody is the answer, yeah. right? I mean, shouldn't it be sacred? Renting. We nobody should leave has, it alone. Owns anything, especially now with COVID. You can pray from anywhere. Free market. I've been to church almost every weekend, and I haven't been to church once. For what it's worth. Wait. Oh, because you're going to church from home. You get everybody right. in the living room. Do you still get was, dressed up? Was, it, that was like like the dad version of the thing that was that happened in my head, but I am actually a dad, so it came out like I was a dad. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So can I ask you about that? And I don't want to. Um, uh, I want to know where they were all conceived. No, um, for people that don't know I, you I don't that know. are that are listening to the show. <laughs> um, so Alfred's also a, a father of uh, four or ten beautiful children. And four to ten, four to ten, somewhere in there. And uh, there were four on the Christmas card, I believe. There are four. And, um, and so what role does, how does that change your perspective or your level of interest in some of these more kind of broad national conversations that we were talking about? You mentioned it earlier that when, when adults on TV that are in charge of things act dumb, it's hard to know what to tell your children. My first, my first feeling of that was when. Um, we, you know, found and killed Osama bin Laden. I felt bad for the kids that had never heard of him before because, um, the kids that were young enough to know, because it, it just seemed negative to be celebrating so openly that we shot somebody in the face. So I'm thinking with 
the narrative politically now, especially with some of your your daughter, I believe is the oldest, and she's son. She's second. She's second. That's right. Okay, great. So those two are definitely got to start hearing some things and crafting some opinions, even at at an early age like that. So, kind of, how do you balance those two things? Well, it's it's a good question. It's changed my perspective in a lot of ways. You know, like what kind of you know, I, I could be as outspoken and angry and, and, you know, just voice my opinion all the time. But how do you do that when you're molding another person in a way that's objective? You know, they have to be able to get through this world. And certainly the reality of this country is that you're going to have to deal with people that don't agree with you and that don't see the world the way that you do. So how do you, how do you move through that? And I, you know, I keep coming back to, I mean, and this is, you know, I don't mean to get hokey about religion, but there's, you know, whatever you believe in, in a spiritual way or religious way, you know, at least gives you the vision to sort of think about, you know, how do you, how do you raise a child in this world in a way that makes sense to make them not be a terrible human being? Because if they follow my example, they'll just be terrible human beings. So I got to tell them things that I don't do so that they'll be better than me. Right. And we talk about that. Like one, um, I think our last episode together, Joe and I really discussed kind of some of our reflections of the parenting we experience as children and kind of how that contributes to your value system and how your goal is for your kids to start at a place better than where you started. And I think for, for my brother and I, that was certainly the case that our parents accomplished that. You've certainly accomplished it, I believe, for – I don't know anything about how you grew up. I know you and your dad are named the same thing. Um, <laughs> that's all I really know. But, like, so I would assume – Isn't that, like, a sign of privilege right there? <laughs> right. I would – yeah, exactly. Yeah, family names. Well, that's a Prince song. And um, But I think that's an important uh, distinction is that I'm sure you feel like your your kids are probably growing up with more – resources or privileges than you did and because probably superior of everybody huh because you really wanted it to be that way right because that's the goal for everybody so i also think that that's important to consider um Picking like you're talking about what to teach them and instill them with you want them to be better than you well and they, like how like they are their kids of privilege clearly right like sure. you've sort of identified you know i as one i can say I was that. a child of privilege sure and i probably was and oh, I mean, I definitely was, but, you know, hearing my parents example of like, when I was your age, I didn't have any of this stuff. I mean, that's true by definition for anyone having kids. Cause this stuff didn't exist. Sure. There was no internet, you know, look at Xbox or PlayStation. There was no internet. I grew up Joe. with like Atari 2600. It was incredible. And yeah. th- what they have now, I wouldn't be able to get off the couch if I had it. Yeah. So how do you take that world that we now live in you guys and make a kid want to go out and do something useful yeah like there's so much non-useful stuff to do that's awesome yeah. oh my when god we it's kids, so great to, like, it's seriously like wally where they sit did you see wally with your children yeah totally so it's like they sit in the chairs and they hover around and they're just Why basically on a vr thing i don't understand now they're talking about the vr pornography <laughs> can you imagine if we had vr pornography when we were in junior high alfred I, I I had found Playboys at best. It wasn't a thing that existed. Like I don't. I, I remember really, the first gifts that came out yeah. that were like a, the naked gifts, gift. Yeah, I was like sixteen, and it was amazing. It was the best thing it that was, ever happened. More, yeah, it was it was psychotic. How um, it was EGA graphics. It was sixteen colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Man. That's how old I am. No, I, I remember. I was younger than you when that started, but I remember. It was like the moon landing. It was, it was, it was a revelation in our lives. It was, you know, you didn't have the old man's, you know, stack of playboys that you found in the cabin of the woods is the only porn that you got. Now it was like, you could pipe it directly into 
your dad's machine and you had to figure out how to hide it and hope that he wasn't smart enough to find it. You know, what's crazy is when you get older too, you reflect on those experiences and you realize that those kind of random characters that were older that had cabins in the woods, they were all fucking drug addicts. I mean, they had to be right. Like, it's like, why, like I think why about would this you guy, have this random like, cabin I was like 17 woods. and I had these really pretty girlfriends that I hung out with. Right. Like, uh, like platonic friends, but my friends were all pretty girls. That's who I like to hang out with. And so, um, I get that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't call me crazy. I like him to look good. And so we used to go see this guy. He lived in this apartment behind Ethan Allen next to the fucking shop and save. And he would hook us up with booze, but he never even really tried to hang out with us. I mean, can you imagine now at your age and you're significantly younger than me? Hanging out with some fucking high school kids, even for a minute. I I don't want to. I don't know how we we got a hold of him. I don't know how it's possible that anyone got a hold. He wasn't somebody's fucking brother. Like I remember meeting, going to the Unitarian Church parking lot to meet the chick's cousin that had a thirty rack and natty light. Like that was one thing because he's coming through and he's trying to be sweet. But like a random dude who doesn't even want to hang out. Like if you're trying to get people back to your place to hang out with you, that's kind of gross because we were underage. But I understand the motivation, even if it's creepy. But like the um, the idea, he didn't even want to hang out. I don't get it. I don't know what he did with that information. He scanned my body with his eyeballs and went back to his lair and did whatever he wanted with that information. I just don't understand. It's crazy to think as an adult that like I would. Or I remember being in this country town in the middle of nowhere next to my um, my dad's hunting lodge. I guess we'll call it. And he was working on a building, so we got to wander around. And not only there's stray dogs everywhere, but there's fucking feral hillbilly children in this little fucking town, <laughs> like Dew. walking around. And we go into Dang this. Bottles. We're hanging out with these two kids that live there. We go into this house, and this couple is still in bed, smoking cigarettes, but they're not in a bed. They're in a pullout sofa, but it's like their house. Like they're just they just sleep in the living room on a pullout because where the TV was. And then they we were we sat on their couch. You can't just like give this information and not give us the specifics. No, no, I'm sorry. You got to go deep. And they were watching Ricky Lake or some shit. And then the dude went and bought cigarettes for these like 13 year old boys we were hanging out with. Psychotic. Joe, do you ever do you ever smoke like a marble smooth? No, but I'll tell you, there was a family that I hung out with when I was younger that was. They weren't just, they didn't just like want to help out with that, but they, I think they wanted me to drink and smoke with them. I think they wanted to be surrounded by young kids. And I mean, like 14 year olds, but they didn't want to like fuck them or anything. But I, you know, I really, I went to a, I went to a, I went to a New Year's Eve party with the same people years later. And I go over there and this house is full of like the, everybody that, who, uh, who's the, what's the electronic cigarette? That, you know what is Vape? The, jewel jewel it's the oh. the whole house is full of everybody that jewel is trying to market to they're <laughs> like these like like kind of just you know musky kind of dudes that like all their hair is really long and they they could be 14 they could be 19 but they're clearly younger than me full of the whole the house is full and the only two adults there again is are the those two parents and then their kids and I think it's like full came full circle they finally got their dream so I think there is something in the Midwest about surrounding yourself by young people I, there, I don't know there's a weird split because there's all the kids that think that they there's some sort of accomplishment with being older like I I have uh, family members that are just constantly really proud of I'm elder that whole thing like this weird like 
but then there's also the parents who really want to be young forever. So I don't know. It's a weird thing. So Al, if you could just sum all that up and just fix that problem for us, that'd be great. I got nothing for you except an anecdote, which is, you know, I remember the, the, the parents when I was in high school, you know, smoking pot with my friends and then their mom would come in and smoke pot with us. And we were 16 and, you know, this, these, these, you know, usually single mothers in my experience, it wasn't usually couples. Oh yeah. But you know, the, the single you know, mom would come in, she was probably 35, <laughs> you know, sort of had a kid young and still wanted to party. Probably and a woman. I thought it was the greatest thing and it was the coolest. And I wish I had parents that way. And like, by the time I got to college, I realized I was really glad I didn't. All <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you're like, you lose touch with those kind of people so quickly. Like you have those weird experiences like one summer and then you never see those people again. It's like, good God, I, are those it, people? It was even like still- almost one-offs a lot of times. Oh my God. Like- totally. It's like, are those people still alive? Like, oh God. Remember the guy? Did that always- really even happen? Yeah. Like, oh, it's like vague memory now. My mom has a story. Oh, I get maybe I shouldn't tell her story. Yeah, man. Something about though that like your mom's a stories, man. A guy she you was over- have your mom on to tell her own story. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Remind weird. me, Joe, write this down that we have to ask my mom about the time she was in high school and her friend's dad had him get him all had her get him all dressed up in drag so he could go to a party that was then canceled. And then he'd just come back and hung out at the house with all his daughter's girlfriends in drag. Write all that down. Mom's going to tell that story. Wait, was that you? No, that, no, I wasn't oh. born. My mom oh. was a child. What What the fuck? No, you said dress up some It's not a, a, an absurd question yeah. at this point. Yeah. Have you seen the, the cover of the podcast? Yeah. I think it's a great I, cover. I, I was I there like the when cover. you, no, maybe not that picture, but, you know, it's certainly your birthday show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. You know, I was re-listening to that. So Al played bass on the live record I was plugging last week that we'll talk about here in a minute. It's on Spotify. But we didn't know COVID was going to happen. We also didn't even know that we were going to release that recording as a live album. But um, No, that was a lark. Yeah, yeah. You just, you just did it. Because like, no one told me that I was recording an album. Right. Yeah, I just decided that, you know, I, the recording was salvageable enough that, you know, and it, it really takes you back to, like, being there. Now that I can't go to shows, I was just telling my wife this. I, I feel like I'm there right now. I didn't used to like to go to um, listen to, like, a lot of, like, live albums and stuff, because I'm like, well, that's a, I mean, different thing and whatever. But now that we can't go to shows all the time, it's like, please, like, I'll take them all. Yeah. You know, you drive around and you play Pokemon Go and you eat tacos <laughs> and you just blast, like, Frampton comes alive. You, you you hit on there I do want to talk about before my time is up with you, which is that what the fuck Taco Bell? The menu oh is so reduced. Brother, that's a heavy theme. know what to do. It's a heavy theme of this show is fast food, and especially how fast food has been negatively impacted by COVID. Um, and a lot of that is so... I have, I've had Taco Bell a couple of times, and I go like in the middle of the afternoon where there's no way they're not open, because otherwise it's such a crapshoot over by me. Like, but you no, the menu know, is like, vanishing. They're open now. It's not a thing that you can count on. No, the, the one in age. I went to the one in Maplewood, and the uh, Google had told me they were going to be open till eleven, and then they came out at nine fifty and told us all we had to leave because what? of yeah. There was like a ordinance nine fifty. Taco Bell closed. Wins fourth meal. Hello, it wasn't even ten o'clock yet. Wins fourth meal. I'll tell you the ones the mainstay through this whole thing has been Jack in the Box. Who is still just Jack in the Box? They I've been telling people Jack in the Box. The world ended at Jack in the Box a long time ago. They've been doing the same operation. I just had Jack in the Box the other day. I had the most glorious breakfast burrito at one in the afternoon because that's how the fucking world should be. 
I mean, it is the beauty of Jack in the Box is tacos whenever, breakfast food whenever. At the same time, even. Like, at the same time. Doesn't matter what time of day. Jack in the Box is kind of like an inverse Jeep Wrangler to real estate. It's so so let me explain that analogy. I was already having this conversation with my brother today (laughs) that we were talking about. Apparently, I did this podcast with my brother on the way home (laughs) that we talked about. Jack in the Box, he needs to go back to Jack in the Box. He thinks milkshakes from fast food restaurants are phlegmy, but he's thinking about McDonald's. He's not thinking about the OG chocolate milkshake from Jack in the Box is a fucking bop. Um, they have good milkshakes. Joe, you were saying? Um, I think it's funny how no matter where you are, if, if, if Jack in the Box was a private company and like had no other affiliates or whatever, it would be funny. I think there's no position in the Jack in the Box franchise where you're like, respected like oh i'm the cfo of jack in the box <laughs> you know the- see i'll say this having worked with a couple of fast food franchises you'd be surprised you'd be surprised they're pretty um, respected. at the top level they're they're quite respected drinking a lot of course right yeah i i didn't mean i'll leave i'll leave my that. clients and former clients unnamed but they weren't jack in the box oh well so thank god actually know. we want names Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, let's start that. Yeah, I already got I got Musad coming after me, and my fucking Jack is gonna show up with a <laughs> Jack, hatchet. Jack is gonna gonna put his spicy fingers through your throat. That now, would, that would be really funny if like if it was a like a Mossad agent dressed up like Jack in a Box, like Jack from Jack in the Box, like with the human hands and just the big plastic head. Al, you've got to be a regular on this show, man. This You're has been good. so great. This has been such a great use of my time. This is the ideal trio. I yeah. feel like we're just hanging out, honestly. We are. We have we just been to get through all that out. election bullshit where you actually asked me questions, and now we're just talking. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now we're really opened up, and it's been, um, it's been really good. We want to keep an eye on a lot of this stuff as it moves forward. I'm hoping that you're right. I'm hoping that. Um, cooler heads will prevail and then the election fraud kind of conversation will be just kind of a last kind of um, hurrah and then it'll be boring for a couple years um and i'm hoping that it, it's boring in a good way in a way that's productive we can and i'm hoping we learn from this weird time that's one thing we haven't even talked about i was supposed to have lunch with you to talk about my llc then COVID. The very week COVID happened. It was the it was that week. It I, was March. last time was I went out was March thirteenth. And then I had to go to Southwest Diner. It was gonna be the bomb. It was gonna be Tuesday, I think. It was. It yeah. was a Tuesday. Tuesday at Southwest Diner. That's still on my calendar for whenever all this shit ends. That was March seventeenth that was supposed to happen, but the world had already closed. It was the week after the world ended, essentially. Yeah. That was like the last week I was in the office. Yeah. Limited liability company. What? Oh, son, I can go on about limited liability companies if you ever want to get that? down. So, so. Oh, no. That's what it is? <laughs> <laughs> you were just starting an LLC? No, an LLC, like, a, to, to incorporate, like, to have my own organization so I can claim all of this stuff as expenses and write it off. This is one where I'm a published author, kids. Yeah, Alfred is also a published author uh, and an adjunct professor of law and uh, uh, a uh, smooth dude on the base. He's got a really sweet Rickenbacker he bought himself for Christmas from his kids so, a couple so years my ago. My base skills are such that you talk about the instrument that I play as opposed to how good I am. That says it all. Oh, well, that's how good it is. That's my favorite part uh-huh. is, the, is the big long Rick. Your whole story it is, is, it is sweet. <laughs> Your whole story sounds like a Hugh Grant movie. 
Um, Al, I'm going to keep you on the line while we wrap up so that we can debrief. Uh, but let me get my... Uh, can I get another beer? Yeah, please get another beer here um, while we cut a couple things. Oh, we're not going to talk about Elliot Page right now because of how Joe responded to my prep for the monolith. Um, so we'll come back to gender identity and transphobia next week. Um, with the lawyer. Yeah, so wait, we're gonna... I, I missed your last episode. I've tried to keep up, but well, I've been that was so busy. that was our like... first ever guest on the show. It was just a solo episode between me and Zaza Goodbreak, the MILF rapper, who uh, whose work I've shared with you. And um, I, I think I ran into her at your house one day. Like you had a back to back with her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I have standing appointments, which is why I wanted to, you know, develop an LLC. That is not a joke. He does. No, seriously. Sometimes he overbooks. Constantly. When in my home? I'm not. I, I'm in my. I'm on my campus 50 hours a week. I can't be home all the time. And when you know, and then I like to go to bed at like eight, eight thirty. Once I eat dinner, it's kind of over. What's left to look forward to? So I got to go to sleep. Um, guys, this has been another crazy episode of Jacob V Weekly. I want to thank Alfred so much for being here. Thank Joe for being back you, after a couple weeks. Um, we're really on the road where we want this podcast to go and how we want it to be. These first few episodes have been very experimental publicly like we mentioned so we're glad you guys are still here with us um i'm keeping al on the line because i think my camera filled up with data because i didn't plan to go this long so i need zoom to record my face right now um follow us wherever you get your podcast spotify apple podcast podbean google whatever you can also find original music by jacob v and too deep on all of your music platforms spotify apple music amazon deezer you could bing it um, exclusively on Bandcamp. You can find music by my older brothers in arms or retired outfit battle stag. Love those guys. You can follow me on Twitter at Malachi Envy on Instagram at Jacob Allen V. Uh, I also curate a monthly playlist since May on Spotify, another end of the world kind of hobby of mine. I have one for each month. So if you search for Jacob V's favorite songs, you'll see all of them. Uh, stay tuned for bigger and better things from us. More guests, more content, more gump. Gump. It says, is a question mark. Gumpf? Gumpf? That's the way. Gumpf. Gump. Jacob B. Weekly. High five. I love you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs>